Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. He joins us every Monday in the 12 o'clock hour. And we thank him for saying, Guy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be with you today. Guy, a uh, managing director of a shipping consulting group is quoted as follows. Volatility is back big time in international container shipping. This um, uh, craziness that's going on with the Houthi rebels in the Red Sea is obviously continues to uh, create this disruption. And then you have restrictions through the Panama Canal because of the drought. Uh, moving goods today is a lot getting a lot closer to what it was like during the pandemic. Yeah, no, your timing could not be better. Literally within this hour, the Houthis attacked a U.S. ship, Ocean Jazz. I mean, who knew we had one named that? And it really is presenting some concerns for shippers because, you know, that they can't get insurance if the risk goes too high. And if you have to go around the capes, It takes longer. You need more ships. And as you correctly say, the Panama Canal is suffering a drought, and this is their dry season. The dry season doesn't end until the end of May in Panama. So shipping is going to get more expensive and more challenging for the next few months. And this is just as we're beginning to see the, uh, you know, the beginning of a reopening of uh, trade around, around the world. So it really is a problem, and it's one of those things that makes me nervous about inflation because the rates to ship have gone up significantly because of these twin problems, both Panama City and the uh, Red Sea. And, of course, Iran wants to make that Red Sea problem as serious as they possibly can. Average worldwide cost of shipping a 40-foot container rose 23% last week. Uh, to three thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven dollars, and the action, and the spot market on shipping containers uh, rose to about thirty-eight sixty. I think it got uh, higher than that, obviously during the pandemic. But I mean, we week on week on week, we're seeing these increases. Uh, do we see an end? Not in the short run, and I think the real the real end is going to occur if. Uh, we're able to suppress the Houthis and really push them to the point where they just can't do it anymore. And that's, I think we need to be much more aggressive and 
stop their resupply of missiles because this is a problem and it's something that uh, affects everybody because it really raises prices around the world. Uh, you know, for people that are interested, there's an index they can track. It's the Baltic Dry Index that shows the cost of shipping everything, and you can see it ticking up week by week right now. So th- this is a geopolitical problem that does need to be solved because it affects everybody. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it affects a number of our uh, enemies as well, China and others too, right? Well, it does and it doesn't. Uh, <clears throat> China and Iran, China, Iran, Russia, North Korea are providing real-time, and I shouldn't say all of them are, Iran is providing real-time intelligence to the Houthis on which ships to target. Uh, They only targeted one Russian cargo, and that was by mistake. They didn't realize they had Russian oil on board. But the Iranians are telling the the Houthis, okay, which ships to target as they go through. And obviously they're not picking on uh, Chinese ships or the... uh, ships that are run by Russia. What really is concerning is this ship, Ocean Jazz, is a military sea lift ship. So that's literally an attack on uh, the support for the U.S. military. So, I mean, this this is sort of the gloves are off from the, uh, the Houthis and the Iranians who are supplying them. When you... So... You know, th- this is becoming more complex, right? I mean, and this goes back to, uh, and a lot of this is intrinsically linked to what's going on in Israel. Um, and, and day by day, this is becoming more and more complex. And this kind of complacency that we've had for a long time, uh, it just occurs to me that something's got to give, something's got to change because uh, we're really going to get caught behind the eight ball here in the not-too-distant future. Well, it's, it's complacency combined with incoherence. Our, our foreign policy has been a bit of a mess. And, you know, before the, uh, the horrible attacks in October on Israel, there was a moment when it looked like there was going to be a, a genuine peace agreement where Saudi Arabia was going to sign a peace deal with Israel, and maybe things were going to go forward. And uh, Secretary Blinken, who is always behind the eight ball, said, you know, this is a time with uh, better peace prospects than ever. And I don't know who's providing him with his intelligence, but obviously he missed the boat on that one. You know, the, it really is a mess because you had a horrible attack on Israel. You have Israel's counterattack and Hamas hiding behind civilians and saying, you know, the more civilians that Israel kills, the more people will come over to our side. And Israel's stuff, stuck with a horrible dilemma of, you know, how do they respond? And the U.S. is, you know, really in the, in the middle of this, trying to figure out how do you avoid innocent civilians getting killed, but also prevent uh, attacks. And in the meantime, Iran is just really content to stir the pot because they could absolutely care less about civilian deaths. Anything they can do to create chaos in the Middle East. If you look at what they've actually done, they attacked Syria, they attacked Iraq, and they attacked Pakistan. So little the Iranians are saying, whatever we can do to stir up trouble, we want to do because 
we we are opposed to the U.S. We're opposed to Israel. We want to uh, you know wipe them out. You know that slogan "Death to America" is sincere. They re- they really mean it. And you know death to Israel is just the the first objective. So Middle East is a mess right now. We we do need to rethink and have a coherent strategy that makes sense, that respects everybody's rights. Well, you know, just to go along uh, this theme of incoherence, uh, and I'm sure that you uh, are up to date on this article that was written the other day about, you know, we have been exporting a lot of LNG, and we have another project that's up due for approvals by this administration in um, southwest Louisiana, and they're talking about reassessing how the Department of Energy approves these uh, liquefied natural gas export permits. At the same time, we're over there, you know, helping with the Ukrainian effort, asking European countries to buy less gas from Russia so that we can starve uh, that country out of that war, so to speak. And yet, we're not willing to increase the capacity to ship LNG over there. In fact, they, the, Europe is buying more LNG from us than they ever have before, and they're thinking of slowing the process. In fact, the U.S. The US has supplied up to 20% of all gas to the EU and the, e, and the U.K. That's up from 5% in 2021 as a result of what's going on in Ukraine, and now we're playing these games and everybody's getting all nervous about, wait a minute, what you're going to not have the capacity grow. And this is going to be a bigger problem for us because they're getting pressure, I guess, here domestically, right from the climate folks, the environmental groups that they don't want uh, natural gas. Well, and it's really ironic, Noel, because natural gas is the absolute perfect, transition to a greener future. You know, one of the things that that we forget, and I I wish that we would would talk a little more broadly and honestly about where we are in the environment, the U.S. is actually shrinking carbon emissions. And we're now down significantly. China is dramatically increasing emissions, dramatically building coal plants. And we saved Europe with uh, natural gas imports. When they were cut off from Russia, our natural gas is what enabled them to stay warm in the winter. And this this year, natural gas prices were reasonable, and electric prices in Europe didn't skyrocket even when the uh, the weather was very cold. So we've been the shock absorber that has allowed Europe to back Ukraine. And if you think about the tragedy that would happen if Ukraine were overrun. You know, Russia's not going to stop there. This is this is a guy who said, Vladimir Putin, the greatest tragedy this century is the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Well, the Soviet Union used to include Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, Hungary. You know, he views that as a great tragedy, and his objective is to reunite. Our natural gas is one of the greatest weapons to prevent him from achieving his goal. The other thing is economists that have studied it pretty carefully say Russia needs a break-even price of around 90 bucks a gallon, I mean, 90 bucks a barrel to uh, run their economy. 
The price is about 75 right now. So to the extent we can produce inexpensive oil and natural gas, we can starve the Russian economy and make things very difficult for them. You know, they have an inflation problem. We're, we're in the throes of, you know, pretty good decline. They're seeing the opposite. Inflation is going up. So, yeah, we just we need to be a dependable supplier. We need to say that it is our objective to make sure that the free world is able to withstand aggression from people like Iran, like China, like Russia, and let people know they can count on us. And your point about cutting back LNG exports, that's just crazy. It makes no sense. It, it hurts us. It deprives us of money and deprives the Europeans of support and makes them think the U.S. is undependable. But this is the hallmark of a chameleon leader, right? You can't be all things to all people. you got to take a stand, and you got to go – Go to the podium and explain what you're doing. I mean, the environmentalists need to understand that there's strength, there's power, um, there's uh, protection for us provided by the fossil fuel industry, whether whether we like it or not. I mean, it, well, it's just that's that's the way it is. Those are the cards that we are dealt. And if we're going to help our allies um, – help of that situation with Ukraine, as you just so eloquently pointed out, sometimes we have to give a little, but they don't want to give. Yeah, And, well, and, and, and here we, we are with this crazy policy that we, we're unwinding now. I think we need to also talk directly. And if I could give advice to the administration on the environment, I'd say you need to actually celebrate success. We used to emit more greenhouse gases than China. Right now, China emits 30% of the greenhouse gases in the world, and it's growing every year. We emit 11% and shrinking. That's a giant win. Our production of greenhouse gases is declining. Coal is a transition. We're doing the solar. We're doing the wind power. We're actually doing the things that the environmentalists want. We need to say, guys, we are doing it. We're succeeding. And we need to keep succeeding. But if you cut off natural gas, we could be just like the Greens in Germany. And when they got into Angela Merkel's coalition, they wanted to be super green, and they developed what I call sore elbow syndrome. And this happens when you do something that is counterproductive and you get a sore elbow from patting yourself on the back. And the reason I say that is they closed the German nuclear power plants and Germany started buying wood pellets from the U.S., and they reopened some coal-fired plants. And the Greens celebrated a victory and got the sore elbow syndrome from patting themselves on the back for getting rid of nuclear. But they made yeah. emissions worse. And that's what, that's what sometimes irrational environmentalists do. We need to look at the big picture. Over time, we need to decline. The U.S. is doing it. We're succeeding. We're making progress. And we're helping the rest of the world make progress. If we cut LNG exports, they're going to be stuck with going back to coal. But I don't know how we keep any ally when we are not willing to consume political capital, right? I mean, because that's what this is all about. I mean, the changing and the vacillating on this policy, they know why this is important uh, to Europe and others. Uh, but here we are, we're in an election year, and I suspect that there are not going to be many Mondays this year that you and I aren't talking about this retreat from good, sound policy 
uh, good, sound economics, not only for this state, but for this country, uh, for the sake of a, um, of a soundbite in an election year. It, it's sad. Well, and the scary thing is, if I'm doing political advice for the D side, you're talking to a group that's going to vote for you anyway. You know, the radical Greens aren't, don't have anywhere else to go. They're not going to vote right. for Nikki Haley. They're not going to vote for uh, former President Trump. So, and you're not going to gain any more electoral votes in California. You're already winning that state. So right. you need to speak to the middle of the country where the elections are won or lost, Pennsylvania, Michigan, you know, Wisconsin, and say, look, we're going to be rational. We're going to continue to make progress. We're going to continue to reduce emissions. We're going to support our allies. We're going to stand for freedom, and we're going to be a dependable ally that people can count on through thick and thin. Yeah, and and, and I agree. I mean, that's what needs to happen because it, we we are running amok, and it and you have a lot of investment going on not only here in this state but in this country for this as well, which is good for the economy, but they don't really seem to care. We'll be right back. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We went all in. We doubled down. And now, Guy, electric vehicle sales, they're falling and charging woes uh, that have increased in cold weather. And... uh, Nothing seems to be going right on this front right now. No, and it's really unfortunate. It's a classic example of overselling. And I wish that we had been a little more forthright with the consumer and said, look, this is a new technology. It's going to have some growing pains, but it really is a revolution in efficiency and in transportation. But it's not magic, it's going to be expensive. And in order to get mass adaption, it's going to take a little bit of time. We can't do things overnight. I mean, that's both an advantage and disadvantage in the U.S. You know, China, they can order stuff and make it happen overnight. It doesn't work that way here. 
So you have a company, Tesla, that makes phenomenal vehicles. I mean, they really are pretty exciting. If you drive one, it's a very it's an interesting experience. But they're real expensive. And we're trying to make the electric vehicle a mass market car. And I think instead we should have said, look, you're going to have luxury EVs. We're going to gradually introduce an EV that can be your second car. If you're driving around town, you know, a lot of people have vehicles they don't drive very much. That would be a perfect EV, basically a, a scaled-up golf cart. You know, if you go to Florida, people don't don't love EVs, but everybody has a golf cart. So you create mm-hmm. a city vehicle that allows that to work, and then you let the infrastructure develop over time. Tesla's done a good job of building a, a charging infrastructure, but it doesn't work in cold weather. We saw that in Chicago. The poor people were stranded in their cars. And we, we just pushed this faster than the consumer, and the result is EVs are stacking up on customer lots. The car companies are really facing a terrible dilemma. They signed a very expensive contract with the union, They don't make money selling EVs, and the cars they do make money selling, the government wants them to quit selling. So I'm not sure how you solve that problem if you're a car maker. You've just agreed to pay higher wages, and, you know, that's the process of negotiation. You're making money selling gas-powered vehicles, but you're losing, and Tesla keeps cutting prices and putting pressure on you. So Ford has backed off of their uh, pickup truck production backed up on their uh, Mustang, and they're saying, you know, the dealers are telling us these are backing up on the lot, so we're not sure what to do next. And uh, obviously this this creates a a problem for the auto industry, right? I mean, uh, they're not not nimble, and so, you know, in order to pivot – uh, th- this really sets them back. Well, it does, and we need to. This is another case where we need to actually step back and look globally. There's a company in China called BYD that is now the biggest electric car maker in the world. <clears throat> and you think, wow, that's wonderful. Well, it's wonderful, except it's actually hurting the environment. China is building more coal plants than anybody on earth because they have a high electricity demand. So this is not reducing greenhouse gases, but China has the ability to produce a relatively cheap electric vehicle. And as they push this electric vehicle to other countries, it means that automakers, legacy makers like GM, like Ford, like Stellantis are losing money and losing market share. Tesla lost the crown as the uh, leading maker of electric vehicles. So we have a double play, China gaining market share, making the environment worse, and hurting our legacy companies. And I think if, <clears throat> if we would step back and say, look, let's, let's let the EV adaption follow the consumer and produce cars consumers want to buy, then it would, it would actually work out pretty well. You know, we saw in Germany, once you cut the subsidies, the, uh, the buyers disappeared. So I think we need to we need to look back to simple economics and say let's make a car that people want to buy, let's do it on a reasonable time frame, and electric vehicles will gain market share. And I think in a few decades we'll look back and say okay this this worked out pretty well, but man it's super rocky right now. Let's um, 
talk about our our latest uh, fraud and scammer program, Costco being targeted by these fraudsters. Yeah, no, I'm not sure what it is about fraudsters. I don't know if they have a convention or they have a website where they all hang out and exchange messages. <laughs> but you do wonder, but they've all seemed to switch to Costco right now. And if you go to Costco customer service, they have 25 current active scams. And I'll, I'll start with the one that just pains me the most because it's just so mean. It's the employment scam. It's either an email offering a job at a high rate of pay or an email saying, we're setting you up for an interview and we're doing remote interviews. The problem with this scam is that it preys upon people that are looking for work. You know, honest, decent, good people, all they want is a good job. And it seems like they have an opportunity. So the fraudsters set up a fake interview on Zoom and they ask the questions you'd normally ask. And then the heartbreaking part is they get back to them and they say, good news, Newell, you've got the job. Now we need to get some pre-information, pre-employment information. What's your address? What's your social security number? What's your birth date? How many dependents do you want to have on the insurance plan? And your ears are pricking up and saying, wait a minute, that is all the identity theft information that they need. And that's exactly what's happening. And it's just heartbreaking because these are people that are trying to do the right thing. They want a job and the crooks are taking advantage of it with this fake job scam. So it, it's important. Costco has a good customer website. Go to the website. Costco doesn't send out unsolicited emails for jobs. If you apply, there's a way to apply online that you initiate the application, not the other way around. But there are a ton of others. And, uh, you know, one is the free television. You know, that one's like, hey, you've won a free television. You've been a great customer. And they send it out to everybody, just figuring a fair number of people will be Costco customers. And once you click on, then they've got to get delivery information. And then this scam is a little kickback scam. Okay, we need, you know, thirty nine ninety nine for delivery. Go get a gift card and send it. It's like, what? And people fall for this. They'll buy a gift card and send it to the crooks. And, of course, the TV never arrives. It's just one more scam. And it's it's really disappointing. Now, that one you can sort of see, you can feel not as totally sympathetic as the poor guys with trying to get a job. But it's still unfortunate. And they're just prey on people. Uh, another one is the uh, your Costco membership has expired. Click here to renew it. Same thing, get your information, your social security number. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And I'm not sure why they're targeting Costco, except maybe, as I say, they have a, a convention of uh, scammers that get together and, and say, okay, Costco's the new thing. Let's all go, let's go all in. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, I kind of chuckle when you – and I think once the word gets around and they, they, they're surfing the net and they see all of this going on with relative to Costco, that's why everyone ends up there. <laughs> And I think there is a dark web where these guys do swap things. Hey, this has worked for me. You know, the, they send out things. Your your Costco uh, basket wasn't completely empty. You've got a few items left. And, you know, you have a refund coming. Just a bunch of them. As I say, on the customer service website from Costco, there are 25 different scams listed. Yeah. Got to get to a break. We are visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. And, uh, Guy, the crypto world continues to just get blown up. It, it really does. And, it, it's a, and there are a bunch of bizarre developments. The first is, for people that haven't been paying attention, uh, there was a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto that started Bitcoin, and we still to this day don't know if he's an individual, a group, a man or a woman. But for 10 years, he started uh, – he wrote a paper on it in 2008, kicked it off in 2010, and for over a decade didn't do anything. He has what's called the Genesis wallet, his first wallet with uh, Bitcoin in it. Well, this year – a million dollars got transferred into that wallet. Now, it can only happen if somebody has his unique uh, key to that wallet. So it's like Rip Van Winkle. He woke up and put money in the wallet. And Jamie Dimon had an interesting comment. He said, you know, Nakamoto could blow up the uh, Bitcoin world. And, of course, Jamie Dimon at Chase has been an absolute relentless opponent of Bitcoin, and he's said for years that he feels like it's worthless, as valuable as a pet rock. And I actually agree with him on this. It's very dangerous for uh, law enforcement because it's used by all the crooks, the uh, scammers, the uh, identity theft people, the people that uh, take over your computer and demand a ransom. The human traffickers and the terrorists all want to be paid in Bitcoin. So in the middle of all that, look, the next two things that happened is – the SEC approved a an exchange-traded fund where the average investor can now speculate on Bitcoin. I'm not going to say invest because there's no there there. And interestingly, two days before the announcement, the SEC's website was hacked, and it turns out they didn't use dual-factor identification. It's like something you and I have talked about a million times. If they'd listened to WWL, they wouldn't have had that problem. Yeah. No, no doubt for sure. So where uh, let's pivot one more time. 
uh, interest rates. Uh, I was reading an article uh, about home sales being the lowest in almost 30 years in 2023. Obviously, that's causing folks a lot of concerns. But everyone is saying that in interest rates are declining. Yeah, it's it's interesting for people like me that still like to get a, a hard copy newspaper. There were two headlines on the same page. Market hits a new high and home sales hit a new low. So wait, is the economy good or bad? Right. And what happened is last year was a new low for home sales in our area because of high interest rates and of course high insurance. And we're really we're facing a dilemma right now. The Fed Open Market Committee is made up of voting members. The voting members have said they're going to raise rates three times this year, three one-half percent increases, so three-quarter percent, rather. And the market, there's a, a tool you can look at, CME Rate Watch, if people want to look at that on the Internet. The market is projecting six rate cuts. So the people that actually cut rates are saying, we're going to cut them three times, the market is saying, oh, no, forget that. It'll be six times. I'm not sure how that happens. You know, as, as we talked at the beginning of the show, you've got global turmoil, potentially uh, real problems in the Mideast expanding beyond just Israel and uh, Gaza. You have oil prices potentially going up, shipping costs going up. And it, it's difficult to see how the market is right and the people that actually set the rates are wrong. But we're going to have to wait and see on that. I'm sort of with the people who set the rates. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about it, that it, it, it feels like a, reception, a recession. Um, is there anything that we can hang our hat on right now that, that we think might be a positive note to move it in, in a different direction? I think it's a tough time right now. Unfortunately, we're, we're in a political season, and, uh, you know, we once had a great presentation at GNO Inc. where uh, political pollsters and columnists talked to the uh, Next Generation group, and they said, you know, everybody hates negative ads, but what we found is if you run positive ads, people might vote if their kids aren't playing soccer or if they don't have something better to do. But if you can't make them mad or afraid, they'll vote. So both sides look at the market, look at voters and say, okay, if you're only going to vote when you get mad or afraid, then we'll we'll run ads to make you mad or afraid. So when you watch political ads, see which button they're trying to push. That's tough for uh, consumer sentiment because you, you're seeing this drumbeat of bad news and, you know, you need to be alarmed, you need to be afraid, you need to be mad. So it's tough for consumers to feel confident. And the other thing is prices are not going down. You know, inflation may be lower, but it's not dropping. And, you know, a simple price is the uh, U.S. Postal Service. They're raising the price of the stamp to 68 cents. You know, if you bought old forever stamps, you can still mail letters, but this is 25% more than it was before COVID. So, the consumer is looking at what they're actually spending and saying, you know, I'm not seeing this decline in inflation. And they're a little bit nervous. There's a little mismatch in jobs, too, between the jobs that are available and the skills people have. So that's also frustrating. So you see the unemployment numbers and say, well, there are lots of jobs. That you said, yeah, but not 
not for my job set and not for my skill set. So consumer sentiment's a big part of, uh, you know, a soft landing in a good economy, and that's that's pretty negative right now. And unfortunately, the political ads are going to try and drive it more negative. No, no doubt for sure. It's going to be interesting. I mean, because there's just so many things coming from so many different directions, how you synthesize all of these things. And I, you and I have both said this before about economists. Um, it's almost, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm reading this article and they, why don't they just come right out and say they're a little confused because <laughs> they've not seen this before, right? Yeah, and I think realistically right now we're at a, we're at a stage of, of real global uncertainty. Uh, you know, we need we, – we as the free world do need to beat Russia. I mean, we, you can't let them take over Ukraine. That would be disastrous for the, the future of the world. We need to solve the uh, energy problem, and the U.S. has the tools. I mean, we've proved that we can produce energy inexpensively and – we can also produce things like solar power and windmills, but then we can't get approval to do the transmission lines. And that's the disconnect. That's where I wish we had a coherent policy. Like if you're going to promote windmills, you also need to provo- promote transmission lines. And if we can't do the two together, then we have a challenge. And we talked about EVs. The federal government is sponsoring EV adaption. They haven't built one yet. It's like, come on, guys. If this is important, you need to actually do it. No, no doubt. This hour has flown by. As always, Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate your time and your insight. Have a great week. Oh, you're very welcome. We will be right back checking in with Scoot when we return, folks. So stay with us. Scoot joins us, and he's up next. Scoot, what do we have coming up? Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk about uh, Ron DeSantis dropping out of the race, and what does this mean? We're not going to spend too much time on that, but we'll talk a little bit about it. I thought the NFL divisional playoffs over the weekend were really fun and exciting. Tulane won a huge basketball game. Um, a review of the Sticks concert from uh, Saturday night, which was really incredible. And we'll talk about the American dream. You know, when I was growing up, there was this concept of the American dream. Now, I'm not living that, but I kind of feel like in my own way, I'm living the American dream. So how do you even define the American dream? And is it still possible to live the American dream? All righty, folks. Scoot's up next. Is it a Manic Monday? Well, of course. And you know what? If it's not in your life now, we'll make it a Manic Monday. We'll make it. I love it. Scoot's up next, folks. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you again in the morning. Have a great Monday evening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.